The KUAM Podcast Network is back and on demand, featuring a great variety of podcasts from our island and region, including culture, lifestyle, awareness, crime, politics, commentary, comedy, and entertainment. Available on most streaming platforms. The KUAM Podcast Network. Subscribe and listen now. Typhoon Mawar. Many storms came and went in Guam's latitude over the past two decades. Mawar hit the U.S. territory hard. The result, as of the premiere of this podcast, the island is still a major disaster area. Typhoon Mawar is the focus of this episode of That's It, That's All. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean DeMatato. You are listening to That's It, That's All. I'm Sean Gumatautau. The podcast is presented by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies company based in Guam, serving government and private sector organizations in the Western Pacific and beyond. Need help on writing a business plan? Need support with your workforce to include workforce housing in Micronesia? Ask Get LLC. They can be found on the web at get-guam.com. Check them out today. Welcome to those listeners checking out the podcast in Phoenix, Arizona. Excited to greet those new listeners in Fairfield, California, up the road in the Bay Area from where I spent my younger days. And can't forget the listeners right here in Guam, Barragata folks tuning into this podcast. Half a day to you all. The format of That's It, That's All is very simple. Let the podcast take you from one end of the island of Guam to the other. Any action across the 240 square miles of this island paradise is a good one. Remember to download the podcast ahead of that next bike ride before you start the shift on your laptop or your desktop computers or just ahead of your planned road trips near or far. Thank you to our friends at RedCircle.com in pushing out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Also, That's It, That's All can be heard on the iHeartRadio app and on Pandora. The podcast is associated with the KUAM Podcast Network, Micronesia's leader in award-winning broadcast news and information. Hit the like, subscribe, or follow buttons of That's It, That's All wherever you get your podcasts today. Typhoon Mawar, birthed in the waters of the Chuk Lagoon just before May 19, 2023, soon after the storm had spun into a tropical depression and set its sights on the Mariana Islands. Not even two days later, Mawar grew into a typhoon. By the evening of May 24, 2023, Mawar packed winds between 140 to 165 miles per hour and touched the northern tip of Guam. Maybe touched is not the best word to describe its closest point of approach. Maybe rocked is a better word to use. Mawar seemed to have spun and spun and spun over Guam, which for many folks I talked with seemed like an eternity. My dad's sister, Roberta Sanagostino of Anigua, told me later that in her years, Mawar was one of the toughest she had seen in her lifetime. Many Manamco I've ran into since said the storm was the same. 
they all agreed. There were some contributing factors to that assessment that I will touch on a bit later. Eight days over the open waters of the Pacific, Mawar evacuated people across the Philippines, grounded all transportation routes in Taiwan, and struck Japan with heavy rain and mudslides, especially in the city of Yokohama. Typhoon Mawar forced evacuations of over a million people across the Western Pacific with significant damage in its wake. I was in Guam in 2002 when Super Typhoon Pong Sungwa slammed our area just after getting softened up by Typhoon Chataan that summer. Now, that storm season took lives in the FSM, injured dozens across Micronesia, the season creating the largest natural disasters in America. That was until Hurricane Katrina came along on the Atlantic coast of the United States. Going back to Mawar, there have been many critiques on preparedness, response, and recovery. We can check out YouTube and the storm chasers on TikTok who had plenty to say. We can read the accounts of editorial writers from Hawaii to Japan who had much to spout about too. Reporters and weather experts did their part to report on the largest Pacific storm in 2023. The Joint Typhoon Warning Center did note that Mawar peaked out at 185 miles per hour at some point moving through our area. The 130 mile per hour average was reported by the Japan Meteorological Agency. The National Weather Service Guam was tracking the storm days before and then lost instruments at their Tijin Guam office as Mawar was just passing over Guam. Was Guam prepared? Well, most veteran residents, to include myself, and hundreds of others did put up our storm shutters, prepped our cars with gas, secured our homes and yards for impact, and just about camped out in living rooms from Jigo to Yamatic. Others were not so prepared. New residents to the U.S. territory and transients did the pretty bare minimum boasting of the damage as soon as social media access became available. This storm was no joke. Our friends in the Northern Marianas, still picking up after the COVID pandemic and Super Typhoon U2, which practically dropped neighboring Rota to the ground in 2018, were nervous. Perhaps it was the early storm tracks that sent the whole of government there into PTSD get storm ready mode. Even the Federal Emergency Management Agency pre-deployed assets to Saipan as the early tracks saw eye passage between the islands of Rota and Saipan, which really is the seat of the CNMI government. Prepared? Well, that's debatable. Even GovGuam decided to bypass decades of emergency management plans and had folks hunker down nearly a day earlier than what would have been done previously. Bypass to these guys equals decision-making. Hence, why shortages were abound in the hours after Typhoon Moir blew well away from Guam. The impacts, 51,000 power customers with, well, no power. Water customers, the same. Airport, closed. Guam Memorial Hospital, major damage. Communications, pick one, all went down. The latter is the most confusing. All year, folks with the National Weather Service and GovGuam espouse using NOAA weather radios. Be ready 
the whole nine yards. But someone or a group of folks limited communication in and out of Guam's emergency operations center. Now, that may not be the fairest assessment to date, but how do we explain communication towers going down and not prioritized to be put up in the hours after storm passage? I know the hospital is important. News and information on response and recovery took days to get out as power and cell service reliant on the power grid were down. Even military leaders had no way of getting the word out on damage to Anderson Air Force Base or Naval Base Guam. Assumptions? Island leaders underestimated the impact. Our over-reliance on technology made things worse in the early hours of the Mawar response. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. The Saipan Tribune reported on August 16, 2023, that the four mayors of the CNMI have united in solidarity with the Saipan Chamber of Commerce and the business community across the Marianas to advocate and express their support for the passage of H.R. 1420, which seeks to delay the touchback requirement. The touchback provision under the NMI U.S. Workforce Act of 2018 mandates CW1 permit holders to leave the CNMI for at least 30 days before applying for their third renewal. The four CNMI mayors, Rhoda Mayor Aubrey Hokuk, Tinian Mayor Edwin Aldon, Saipan Mayor Ramon Camacho, and Northern Islands Mayor Valentino Taisukan believe that this rule combined with extensive processing times, is creating uncertainties for businesses in the CNMI, which is significantly disrupting labor availability and economic stability. In the U.S. Virgin Islands, the St. Thomas source is reporting there that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, in a recent federal annual monitoring evaluation report, noted that the USVI government has done a very poor job of ensuring its workplaces are safe and healthy for the thousands of employees in the Caribbean territory. The news report notes that OSHA has been citing the weaknesses of the local program for years in annual reports that get little public scrutiny and, according to OSHA, not enough internal attention either. The report criticizes the USVI Division of Safety and Health for its inability to address what it calls significant program issues, quote, that have been outstanding for more than a decade. And it says that the program, quote, continues to be ineffective in protecting the safety and health of Virgin Islands state and local workers, close quote. Samoa News reported on August 14, 2023, that the Pacific Partnership Meeting 2023 brought together FEMA federal partners, the state of Hawaii and Pacific Territories, to meet, collaborate, discuss, and receive information on programs, services, opportunities, and resources available through the federal agency. According to a press release from the governor's office, Pacific territorial leaders, including Governor Lumanu Mauaga, were able to share with FEMA Region 9 Administrator Robert Fenton 
quote, unmet needs and request assistance to help them improve their readiness for future disasters, close quote. Readiness for future disasters. Full disclosure here. When Typhoon Moar hit Guam, I was on the campus of the University of Hawaii at Hilo supporting a Pacific leadership program. My wife, my son and recent high school graduate, and the youngest Gumatautau kid, fresh out of middle school, were on Guam at our home in southern Guam. Before leaving island, I had been tracking Moar, hence the preparation of my home. I briefed the family ahead of storm arrival, kept them informed of the track. We are a pretty storm-ready family. Asked how the weather was the day out, then silence. Moar strikes Guam. Calls, busy signals, WhatsApp video calls, no answer. My anxiety reached levels that I had never experienced before in my life. I had worked every major storm that came through the Marianas Archipelago for nearly three decades, either in broadcast TV or as a senior government executive, guiding coverage and preparing our island community to protect life and property. I think I was pretty cool in the storm trenches. But with Mawar, my anxiety was so very high. I do think that my instinct was spot on with Mawar, going back a half day and then a glimmer of hope. My son finally answered a WhatsApp call and said that he, his mom, and sister were okay. He smiled at me, then our connection was gone. Text another half day later made things better, but I knew that this was only the beginning of the Mawar storm recovery effort. It would be a week before being reunited with my family. The calls were not as frequent in the lead-up. Texts became the only way of getting through, though spotty at best. When we met, hugs, kisses, tears, relief. The stories of the storm passage, fighting water intrusion into our home, kindly referred by insurance adjusters later as seepage for eight hours. Damage to our home office, watching our neighbors sustain damage, talking to other family members, catching up felt like the stories re-victimized my family when the skies above were so blue above us. But that was just us. This story was repeated over and over and over again across Guam and with our collective families near and far. Southern Guam residents saw different types of damage than those of our friends and families in Northern Guam. Things were wrecked, and to this day, much is still in a state of disarray in some remote areas. Public facilities took major hits. One in particular, a new power plant being built in the north by the Guam Power Authority will be set back by at least a year, mangled metal of what remained as a fuel storage tank for a new generator just one of the images that were burned in my head of what Mawar left in its wake. Schools turned upside down, and when they were just wrapping up the last school year, other public facilities like parks remain closed to this day. Businesses took big hits too. Some got back on their feet pretty quickly, limited by power and water outages. Some will never reopen, kind of like the COVID pandemic hitting Guam all over again. Recovery will be a long road, no doubt. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. 
Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. There will be some government of Guam folks that will be still listening at this point. So I will use this platform to provide a bit of advice or maybe guidance. My friends from our federal family will probably be doing the same. My students from the University of Guam and recent cohort graduates of the Naval Postgraduate School that I support will be right here for the next few minutes too. I found inspiration for this segment after I finished a great book written by a friend of Micronesia and mine personally, Edward L. Conley. His book, Promote the Dog Sitter and Other Principles for Leading During Disasters, is a must-read for emergency managers, civic leaders, and those who may be thrust into the decision-making process before or after a disaster. A couple of points. Ed notes that leaders in times of great need should not be in the fight to get kudos by the local or national media, please those critical of decisions here or abroad, or to just get that pat on the back. Conley wrote, quote, it is to help survivors and recovering communities. We do that by relieving suffering, stabilizing the situation, cleaning up the mess, and creating partnerships for recovery. Close quote. Conley wrapped up with this, that if you see these goals out of order, do the opposite. Typhoon Mawar tested every part of the government in Guam. Local, federal, residents expect much from these leaders. There was a great wonder from my perch. Just how much did local and federal leaders in the U.S. territory really help survivors and help all to recover? I can give federal agencies some credit here. They saw Mawar coming and ran towards it. FEMA forward deployed assets. The FEMA Region 9 began the planning effort. Storm hit. Assessments happened. Missions began to be set with an operational tempo that everyone in the agencies could appreciate. Word was that some were hamstrung by local government not asking for assistance right away, a process issue that continues today. Some of that may have been true. Priorities are always different, depending on who is setting those. The brain trust at the office of the governor, which we may never know what they were thinking, took a different tact than that of previous administrations. Bravado, arrogance, surely not common sense. The relief of suffering was slow going. Family and friends I spoke with noted that local officials did not act with great care, compassion, and speed. An emergency management insider based in Guam noted that of the three or four dozen emergency management response activity coordinators that were at the center at the time in Guam, the storm, just three had staffed the Guam Emergency Operations Center in the last major disaster here. Some in the EOC today were not even born when Chataan and Pong Sungwa struck Guam 20 years ago. What has carried over time have been the plans. The Guam Emergency Response Plan, or what is now known as the Guam Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan. Those plans are tested and exercised annually. The plan is a living, 
breathing document. Annexes to include tropical cyclone response and continuity of operations. These are not new. Emergency managers here limp through the early hours of the storm and response as if these plans never existed. Public messaging could have stabilized the situation families faced if broadcast stations and their towers were prioritized. For the first time ever, local media did not embed with emergency managers. If they had, a tower or two would have been lit up in the early dawn hours after the storm passage, and emergency news and information could have been widely distributed. There was too much reliance on cell phones and internet technology, which to this day remains compromised. Cleaning up continues, maybe not fast for some, months after Moar's passage, roadways are still littered with piles and piles of so-called typhoon debris. This, after weeks of encouraging the use of debris staging sites at Tizen and Tamuning that are slowly being eliminated. Didn't think that tires and toilets could be wrecked in a storm. Maybe I missed something when the winds and rains battered our island in storms past and ripped them off cars and out of bathrooms during closest point of approach. There has been some bright spots to report. One that created a true partnership for recovery. Small businesses are utilizing assistance from the Small Business Administration. Faith-based groups island-wide continue to take to the streets and in isolated areas to help those in need. Months later, and that work shines a great light on the good of people in a stressful situation following a natural disaster. Those folks were victims of Mowar too. Truly a remarkable effort. I could go on and on. From our friends at the National Weather Service, who have since the storm passage, are looking for the newest technology to track future storms without being damaged at the highest of wind gusts. To our friends of the Guam Power Authority, who are leaning forward with major equipment purchases to augment a workforce that could be called upon through their mutual aid agreements, both governmental and the like. I hope that there is a frank discussion on what went well and what didn't, and take things like the Guam Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan and modernize it. Perhaps maybe exercise and trust in it. Can't forget my friends in the U.S. military, the basic satellite phone on hand would be a good bet to throw in their go bag. Referring back to Ed Conley's book, he quoted the great American president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who said, quote, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Close quote. Emergency managers here and abroad need to have the will to see through a vision for a positive outcome in a natural disaster. Have the strength to live and breathe that vision before, during, and after the proverbial storm and harness that energy and send it out to respond for the betterment of the men and women that they serve and protect. Life and property of our people should always be front of mind during these extraordinary times. That's it. That's all. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. Let me know what you think. Find me on X, LinkedIn, and Facebook. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon.
The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatata. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatata. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening. The KUAM Podcast Network is back and on demand, featuring a great variety of podcasts from our island and region, including culture, lifestyle, awareness, crime, politics, commentary, comedy, and entertainment. Available on most streaming platforms. The KUAM Podcast Network. Subscribe and listen now.